Quantum Rabbit, a Frankensound podcast. Hello and welcome. My name's Rolly Skender. This is a program I've made to document some true stories and a bit of the process around my sometimes small, sometimes monstrous projects. It's about my work as an audiovisual producer, mostly based in a small village called Perth on the west coast of Australia. These projects span art, music, theatre and the spaces in between. I hope you enjoy the story. Episode 3. The Treasury. This episode covers a project I was involved in as part of the new development at the old Treasury building and surrounds in the fair city of Perth. It happened a while back in 2015, but I estimate the exaggeration factor would still be pretty low in the single figures, maybe 6 to 8%. That's not bad, right? Firstly, I'd like to talk about something we've got here in Western Australia. We're quite lucky, or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, to have a government scheme in place called Percent for Art. 1% of the construction budget for new buildings, over $2 million, must be expended on artwork. It's been running since 1989, and means as long as there's cranes in the air, artists will be employed. Or some artists, at least. It's not unusual for big projects to come up with budgets in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. On the flip side, it must have spawned a thousand dreadful artworks that are too big to remove. They'll likely be here with us for at least another 30 years. I'd been shortlisted by a local arts agency for a visual art commission inside the old postal hall. It's a historic piece of architecture in the geographic heart of Perth. It actually is the centre. The state buildings, as they're called, are located at point zero, which is the point from which all distances from Perth are measured by people, I guess, from Perth mainly. They were formerly known as the Lands, Titles and Treasury Buildings, built in the late 1800s. The buildings had been virtually unused for 20 years, but were now getting a facelift. This was part of a cultural redevelopment, which would include a modern office high-rise, a luxury hotel, and numerous bars and restaurants. It's a pretty impressive space, this postal hall. It's about the size of a tennis court in terms of the floor, and it must be over 10 metres high to the central ceiling. The walls curve up towards the centre, where there's a large glass skylight. It's a beautiful old Art Deco-inspired structure which would serve as an entrance hall and thoroughfare, connecting a number of shops and cafes. The powers that be were about to take a risk with this space and put an artwork in there. From my point of view, I felt quite lucky to even be considered. I'd gotten word about the concepts that were coming from the other artists that had been shortlisted for the project. By the looks of their previous work, they were far more advanced in the execution of large public art projects than I could claim to be. What they all had in common, though, was that they proposed to hang big sculptural objects below the ceiling of this historic hall. Well, I felt straight away that that was a bad idea. Because no matter how interesting these hanging art pieces were, they would essentially make this large, impressive space smaller. I guess maybe unless they were using mirrors, I guess. But surely these proposals would also basically hide what I thought was most interesting about the hall, which was the architecture above head height. 
but I didn't want to pitch my project by bagging someone else's, so... With this in mind, I walked into the meeting room at FJM Property Offices in Subiaco, with at least an angle to shoot from, if not a silver bullet for this tricky project. It was time to give them my pitch. Oh, sweaty hands. There were some representatives there from the art funding body, some FJM employees and Adrian Finney. He's the head of the company and a guy in charge of this major building project and also a well-known name around town by virtue of his many previous constructions around the city and, it must be said, hitting the odd wealthiest people in the state list if you can be bothered reading those things. He seemed pretty down-to-earth, two feet on the ground, practical, like you'd expect a builder to be, I guess, with quite a few questions about my project and how I intended to make it work. I guess I was a little nervous at the beginning, and I said something like, Sorry, I don't usually do these pitch things. Adrian asked what I usually do then. Well, someone calls me and asks me to do a job, and then I do it. He seemed to like that answer. And from that point, the meeting felt more comfortable. I explained my idea to use the large curved cornices of the 11 metre high hall as a projection surface and not interfere with the architecture. It would create a moving fresco, but on first glance it would look like a static painting. But then a few surprises would pop up. Maybe figures appear from behind trees and it would gradually transform into a dynamic, moving canvas, culminating in an optical illusion, which would be the apparent lifting of the whole solid surface to reveal the night sky behind the curved cornices of the Great Hall. They didn't buy it. They decided to drop the whole project, actually, and focus on something else. It was a couple of months after my rejection, and I got an unexpected call from an FMJ staff member. They wanted me to come in and chat about doing something with a Thai restaurant. It would be opening in the basement of the Treasury in six months' time. No official pitching and judging panels, just come and meet the restaurant guys. The first guy I met was Simon. He's a business partner of the Australian chef and restaurateur David Thompson, well known internationally for his expertise in Thai cuisine. We walked through the basement space of the Treasury Complex, which was still under construction. You could hear the money pouring into this place with every hammer and drill sound. Through a maze of hallways and stairs, we eventually arrived at an inner courtyard, which would serve as the outdoor area for the new restaurant, David Thompson's Long Chim. The courtyard. It was enclosed by old white brickwork, stretching a number of stories high on all four sides. Plenty of room for some projection ideas there. I was told they'd be getting some Thai street artists on board to paint some of these walls. Maybe I could work with them. A little while after this first meeting, I was introduced to David, who would become my main contact for the project. He was essentially in charge of the fit-out of the restaurant, making sure the cutlery fits with the tables, which fit with the floor to match the walls. From what I can tell, he travels around the world and does this nonchalantly posting photo after photo online of pristine beaches and idyllic sunsets in Southeast Asia. I'm sure his life can't really be that much better than the rest of ours, but 
I like David. And he's self-employed, like me. Plus, he knows how to work with people in a way that's pretty rare. The philosophy is basically, let people do what they're good at and don't get in the way until there's a problem. It's simple. And probably absolutely necessary when you're dealing with as many separate things as he does. I became one of those things, along with a well-known Bangkok graffiti icon known as Alex Face. It was my job to augment Alex's main artwork in the courtyard, using video projection. The main images of his recurring character, a three-eyed baby in a onesie with bunny ears called Marty. I'm not completely sure if it was good management or the fact that pretty soon everybody became too busy to be worried about what I was doing, but this was one of the most pleasurable, easy projects to work on. The ideas literally seemed to flow out of the walls, and I spent some enjoyable time learning a bunch of new 3D software to make Marty fly through space, shoot flames from his spray cans and get generally psychedelic. He also does a little fart. It was like the perfect job. Even the projector location was a dream for access, which mattered a lot when it needed to be aligned occasionally. It was high enough to be out of reach of punters at floor level, but a quick step up put you in arm's length of the projector, media player and all the controls. The tall courtyard was well protected from the elements and anything but the most severe storms. We had a projector enclosure cut and welded together by the builders, did a couple of tests and locked in the position. Everybody was happy. For a short while. It was actually me that would soon be unhappy about something. But in the scheme of things, I guess it's an issue that might be the projection installation equivalent of first world problems. Because on any other project, needing a ladder or sometimes a scissor lift or cherry picker to reach a permanently installed projector wouldn't be surprising at all. But when you've had a box drilled into a wall at a certain position, you don't expect to come back and find that position is now two metres higher. Yes, someone had decided to move the box. I won't mention any names, but the reason was to accommodate a wire cable run that would support some aesthetically pleasing and mildly practical Asian-style umbrellas in the courtyard. That's all fine, but accessing the projector now involved ordering a large ladder from building maintenance, calling on some help to get it upright, standing precariously somewhere near the top between the umbrella wires and reaching awkwardly in the box, hoping you're pressing the right button, while trying not to fall five metres onto concrete. If every cloud has a silver lining, maybe every silver coin has edges slightly soiled by dirty hands. This was still a great project to work on, and after two years with some minor maintenance, I haven't fallen off the ladder yet. Meanwhile, a friend of mine, and studio space co-resident at the time, coincidentally also had a couple of projects in the Treasury precinct. I was helping him out with one of them one night, and he flew his relatively new six-rotor drone into the corner of a nearby high-rise building. It fell about 30 metres, breaking into hundreds of pieces on contact with the pavement below, narrowly missing us as we ran for cover. Maybe don't tell anyone that, though. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.